Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. You guys ever feel like that? <laughs> well, we're going to have uh, our ushers come forward uh, so we can do an offering together. Um, we accept blood offerings or just money. Um, if you would pray with me, that'd be great. God, thank you for uh, that time of worship. Thank you for this place. Thank you for um, what has become family to so many different people. I'm just praying for anybody in this crowd today who is lonely, uh, who, who feels like they're doing this by themselves and they're, it's just not fun. And I just pray that you would begin to open up something new in them, that uh, conversations would happen, that they'd meet new people, that, uh, that this church would do its job. And that we would grab hold of those people and just start a conversation. Start what could end up being a, a pretty amazing friendship. Just say, come Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We want to be known for the same thing that you are, the way that you love people. So bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hello, hello. Good morning. morning. Today we're going to talk about the Lonely Hearts Club. The Lonely Hearts Club. Uh, A thing that has been really kind of breaking my heart lately um, I, I felt like I had a really good week with God, with uh, praying more, with hearing more, um, and also beginning to be in tune more with the people that are around me, just, you know, at the grocery store and seeing someone. And sometimes I'm in the zone, and sometimes for, for long periods of time, I'm out of the zone, and I'm just walking past people, and I'm like, I'll, I'll hear an opportunity, maybe a little God whisper or fingerprint or something. You know, they say that uh, coincidences are just God's way of staying anonymous. Uh, I'll ignore coincidences, opportunities to minister to somebody or, or, or whatever if I'm not in the zone. I like being in the zone. I like being in the place where, uh, you know, the whole thing that the weirdest way that God has wired us, he made us like himself, and that we have these gifts of being able to walk around and see the hurt, the pain, the, um, you know, the, the guilt the shame on people. We can see the joy also. We can see excitement. We can see God in people. We have this ability, though, to look at things um, on more than just a natural kind of plane and in the supernatural way. 
What I know about Jesus is that Jesus goes after those who are lonely. He goes after those who are lonely. Um, who, do you think the, who do you think battles with loneliness the most? Do you think it's older people? Like, is, who do you guys think? Wrong, it's actually seven-year-olds. It's just seven-year-olds. No, I'm just... <laughs> but newer research shows that it, the people who are struggling with the feeling of loneliness, uh, which the loneliness can then lead to other things with depression, with uh, all sorts of things, but the overwhelming feeling of loneliness is actually in the, the group that's around like 18 to 30. Like, that they're actually the ones who are struggling with that the most, which is interesting. Today I was hoping to, to bring up um, some, some things to stretch us a little bit with our thinking, to maybe broaden our thinking a little bit about poverty. Um, there are all kinds of poverty. There's financial poverty, of course, and we, we all kind of get that one that you know, if somebody doesn't have any money, then they don't have as many opportunities a lot of times. That if they don't have the money, that you know what they say, it takes money to make money, right? And it is actually true. Like if you got money, it's easier to make more of it. But when you're, when you're in that place of being, you know, in poverty financially, it's hard to get to certain places. Um, you can be in poverty with your relationships. Some of you are in, you're, maybe you're okay financially and you're not in poverty in that way, but you might be relationally in poverty. You might be in poverty of friendships with people. You can be in poverty of, you know, spirit, poor in spirit. Someone who is just kind of, you know, they don't, the, the fire isn't continually going inside of them. It gets extinguished with any little thing. And so they're poor in spirit. You can be poor in experience that, you know, I just didn't, how many of us, any of you grow up out in the country? Like, and you, all of a sudden, we all know somebody who grew up somewhere where they're like, I ain't never seen anything like this before. And they might be poor in certain experiences, but they might be rich in other ones. You can be um, in all sorts of different types of, of poverty. The one that seems to break my heart so often lately, though, is um, those who are in people poverty, like relationship poverty, friendship poverty, having, having somebody that you can lean on. Um, I know so, I, it, it was so goofy. I even said it uh, for some of my time through high school that I was, I was a little bit of a lone wolf in certain ways. You know what happens to lone wolves? They die. They die like super fast. Uh, lone wolves don't work. Anybody who says, I'm a lone wolf, I can, you're, you're dead in the water. Uh, you need to be part of a pack. You need to be rich in that that kind of way to experience the life that Jesus promised to us, that life to the full. Uh, I want to show you guys a video real quick. To set this up, though, before we play it, um, uh, it's just a, like a 
second video that I took yesterday, I was cutting up, um, it seems like a, one tree every week falls at my house. We have a big yard. Here's what we got to do. We got to go, God, thank you for my big yard that all the trees fall in every week. <laughs> at least I have, man, I have trees. Oh my gosh. And I'm cutting up uh, this tree that fell and as I'm cutting it up, I can kind of see something through the woods. There's this wooded area that backs up to, to my house line, my property line. And I'm looking, and there's a, there, there's a tent. There's a tent over set up, and right away, I got the heebie-jeebies. It was in the woods. It was in an area where there's never anyone. There's never kids playing in that area. There's, I, I knew that it probably wasn't kids that set it up. And so... Um, I went over there, and I just knew it. it was a homeless camp. There was a homeless camp set up, and it was about 250 to 300 feet from my house. It wasn't in my yard. It was actually the next street over, but their, their yard kind of butts up. And, and I go over and start to look. And let, I'll just share the video that I took initially. Now, mind you, I can see my house from where I'm standing there. I was very afraid I was going to find a dead person. What... There were leaves everywhere there, but as I started to, I started to dig around because I'm, for one, I'm a psycho. Um, I'm like, what, what is, the, what, what is going on here? Um, I could tell that it, at first I'm like, no, this just happens to be a bunch of garbage. Wait, this garbage all adds up to a person living here. Um, I kept finding more and more things under the leaves. There were duffel bags full of clothing and personal items. There were, it was a horde of things. So many different trips it would have had to take in for somebody to take that in there. And then I could see their setup. There was a, they had a tarp to where um, the, another house that would have maybe been able to spot him or her. Uh, they set this tarp up to where it just looked like, like brown and leaves. <laughs> and they blocked themselves out. Then I found uh, little sterno chafing fuels and can openers and open can. I'm like, somebody, they were living here. They weren't there anymore. Everything was trashed. Everything was ruined. Their entire, everything, I could, everything that they owned was ruined. And they tried to keep things from getting ruined. Things were put into little plastic containers. There were Q-tips in special little containers, travel containers. Um, I found a, a, a plastic container that had two phones in it that were just submerged in water because water got into everything. There were all kinds of things. But the thing that just, it just, I'm standing there and I'm looking through it and it just was such a lonely experience. And I don't know who was there. You know, what? one time we saw on our ring video camera thing, we saw somebody come up, I have a long driveway, somebody came up my driveway and all of a sudden they turned and they went into a bush. 
And we went, what the heck? <laughs> went and looked behind that bush. Like, that just goes up to a fence. Uh, but I think it may have been that person. They're not there anymore. Everything is, everything is ruined. And, I, and I'm just praying for that person, whoever they are. Um, that they were experiencing poverty on multiple different levels at one time where you're experiencing it with money, you're experiencing it with, you know, if you're in, you're in relational poverty if you don't have somebody that can, that, that can hook you up. You're in relational poverty if you don't have a place that you can find to go and stay. And some people will say, well, I, I, I'm friends with somebody who's not, not enough. You're not enough friends. You can be in that relational poverty, in that lonely place, um, in the, the places sometimes it seems like they, that it's not lonely at all. Any of you ever sit in a, a crowded room and you feel all alone for whatever reason? I know for me, I'm, I'm always, I'm like a ball of anxious ADHD stuff. Uh, I, I pace like between 14 and 18,000 steps a day. Um, I just never stop moving. And so whenever I'm with certain groups of people, it becomes apparent that none of them are moving. <laughs> They're noticing me. <laughs> I can't stop. And you can feel alone. You could be a stay-at-home parent and feel alone. You can work around a whole bunch of people and you can feel completely alone. Because maybe you don't have a single close friend there. You don't have somebody you can, um, you can really count on. It could be uh, college students a lot of times in dorm rooms. They're surrounded by 100 people and they feel alone. You could be in a dysfunctional marriage and feel alone. Be a successful business leader or church leader even and feel alone um, at the top. Because maybe people don't, they don't get all the stuff that you're dealing with. Do you think that we're more lonely now than we were 10 or 20 years ago? Huh? We got Facebook, though. There's Instagram. There's like, aren't you friends with more? Aren't you friends with more people than you've ever been friends with? Why do we feel lonely? Why do we feel lonely? You know, my son Finn, he joined the wrestling team, and I'm super proud of him for um, just the experience that he's had. He's just going after it all the way. And, I mean, he is covered in bruises. Um, and so my job is just to, like, press on them, the bruises, <laughs> whichever ones I can find. Um, but he is, you know what he said? We were driving to, uh, to drop him off at a, a scrimmage yesterday morning, and he just said, you know, people say that if you start doing something with a group of people, like working out or you join 
like karate or something like that, mixed martial arts or like this with the wrestling team, that when you're a part of something like that, that you are happier. He was like, and I, I, it's really true. I've just felt really happy since I joined the wrestling team. Now, the thing is, this kid is constantly with friends online. He's constantly with friends online. And I'm a big supporter of, you know, your gaming friends, what a, relationship friends, wherever you can become wealthy is probably good in that area. But there's something missing when you're not seeing each other in person, when you're not interacting with each other in person. Because certain aspects are, I think, critical. Research shows that we are definitely, definitely way more lonely people. More people would say that they're feeling lonely than 10 or 20 years ago. Some people say that's because of the breakdown of the family, uh, that that's one of the big reasons behind it, with it being, you know, just every part of it, that not as many people get married, um, so people are single longer, they, ha- they start to have, and now dating is freaking weird. I don't know if you've seen dating now. Man, I have friends that are dating. Pray for them. Because it's just weird now. Because everything's weird now. Nobody wants to state their intentions. They don't say, will you go out on a, a, a date with me? Like, I would like to see if you were a possible prospect for someone I could spend the rest of my life with. No, it's like, I don't know. We could, like, hang out. Like, hang out, like, wh- who else is going to be there? And just the, the breakdown of the family from things like eating dinner at the table together, all sorts of different aspects of it where you can start to be family poor and not even realize it. Another reason why we're so lonely is because of increased mobility, that we have that ability to get, um, we feel like, you're like, you know what's going on in so many different people's lives because of Instagram and you know what's going on in their lives, and so you get this feel, you get this weird, like, kind of feeling that I'm connected with people, and yet we feel lonely. Heavy workloads is another reason for a lot of people that, how many, any of you in the room, uh, the kind of person who feels like if you're not busy, then you're lazy? If you're not busy, 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 I'm just so busy. If anybody asks you, hey, how you been? I've just been so busy. Oh, my gosh, I've had so many things going on. Because you don't want, you don't want them to think you're lazy. You're not. And you're allowed to be a little lazy. They also say the rise of social media, of course, just that um, the, um, the comparison traps that go on with other people. And so uh, at some point, we were, you know, we were friends with these people, but now, uh, any of you ever friends with somebody and then they became boat people? I'm not buying a boat, dude. You gotta get a boat, you gotta get out on the lake. No, I don't. I guess we're not friends anymore. I'm just not a boat person. Anyways, what I'm talking about today is... Um, what we can do to ask God to give us eyes for those people who are hurting 
Um, if we really want to minister to people, we want to make a difference in the world on behalf of Jesus, one of the, the greatest ways ever to do that is to be able to just recognize people who are walking all around, people around you at work, at school, at home, recognizing and doing something different than you normally do. Maybe you recognize it, but you always ignore it. Maybe you recognize that somebody is, and sometimes they're annoying with it too. Yes, they're lonely, but maybe they hold you hostage. Yes. Might be an opportunity though. First thing is I would say, we got to ask God to, to help bring some people to mind or to reveal something or God, would you give me the ability to notice God, thank you for the noticers. Thank you for the noticers in this room. Jesus noticed things. He noticed stuff that was going on around him. He noticed when something wasn't quite right. You want to know how you can love somebody who's lonely? The first one... Uh, <laughs> This one may need some explaining. You can love them with touch. Love them with touch. Yes. In 2023, touch people. You weirdos. There is a piece of that missing um, human interaction that not being alone, that getting rid of the loneliness feeling that I believe has much to do with touch. Uh, and this is something that I would say Jesus uh, showed us in several different places. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and he, he knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing. He said, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Which man did he touch? He touched a leprosy man. You don't touch that guy. Of all the guys you don't touch. He reached out and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as testimony to them. Now, why would Jesus say, don't, don't go blabbing this to everybody? Because Jesus' whole, it's only Matthew chapter 8. He, the, he wasn't ready for the cross yet. He had some other things to take care of first. So don't go spreading this everywhere that I did this for you. Just, but go and tell the priest. Just keep it between yourselves until, until everybody knows what's up. Leprosy. You know, people still get le leprosy. There's still leper colonies now. If left untreated, it, it's treatable now, but if left untreated, uh, you're going to die within 10 years of contracting it, most faster than that. Uh, it starts with like super fatigue and pain in your joints. Uh, then you start to get scaly spots that will develop on your head and your body uh, and you will eventually get covered in lumps these lesions 
and they have pus. The other crazy thing, though, about leprosy is that it changes your face. It changes your face, and so people will take on the appearance of a lion. And so it's kind of recognizable. Um, they would get growths on their vocal cords, and so it would cause their voice to change. Their body began to, to decompose, and it's horrible, but it develops an extreme stench. And so people can smell you from far away. And so anyone with leprosy during this time, they would have to scream. If you're on opposite sides of the street, you'd have to scream, unclean, 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 I'm unclean. Either you stop or I'll stop, but we can't even, we can't even get into a certain vicinity of each other. Their hair falls out and no one touches them again. No one touches them again. They're done with human contact. So Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. If you think about it, Jesus didn't have to touch him, right? Jesus did all kinds of healing without touching people. He could just speak it into existence. He would say it and they would be healed. But this one, he had to make a point to touch. I believe that's because the, at that point, the leper didn't just need healing from the leprosy anymore. He needed healing from that other poverty that he was experiencing, that he didn't have people anymore. Uh, bon uh, trivia bonus uh, for a prize. What animal carries leprosy? Who was that? You win the first. This is... A 1988 pack of score baseball cards unopened. You, ha you have to come and get these. I can't risk throwing these. Thank you. There you go. Hey, there's more if you play. The leper, the leper needed healing from his rejection. Um, something, a, a, something a lady said many years ago uh, here at this church that has always stuck with me is she said, I love this place so much, it's the only place that I ever get hugged. I love this place so much, it's the only place I ever get hugged. Here. Well, yeah, so good, but also, oh. You can love people with touch. Uh, and so, of course, this is going to take practice. Uh, it's going to take, um, you know, some of you, some of you in, in the, you're, you're clumsy humans. You're clumsy with um, just certain awkwardness. I know I lean into the awkwardness. You can't just go around. You know, we had, I, I kicked a guy out of this church one time for, for, for laying holy hands on the wrong places. No bueno. But the thing that it can change with somebody is 
if you go to pray for someone, if you're already to that point of saying, would I be able to pray for you? Trust me, I have tried it every which way. The way that is the best is to say, would it be okay if I laid a hand on you when we prayed and ask permission, put my hand on their shoulder as I pray? Um, Sometimes we're sitting in my office, and so maybe we're both sitting and we'll just, I'll just hold one of their hands. But there's a thing that is completely different when that happens than if we're not touching. You can love people with touch. You can love people also by listening. You can love people by listening, right? Most people don't listen with the intent, the intent to understand the other person. We listen to people. Um, like right now, this is a weird thing because I, like, I get to blabber on and some of you are just like, he is not right about that. But a lot of times, if we're, if we're with another person, it's just us. You're, you're listening, waiting to reply to them. You're waiting for your turn to say something. We listen with the intent to reply, not with the intent to understand them. I used to have this thing. I was on the prayer team at the Vineyard in Tri-County and it, it kept hitting me, and I just felt so terrible because someone would come up to be prayed for, and we would say, hi, my name's Ryan. They would introduce themselves. They would say, like, what they have going on or what they're looking for prayer for. And I go to pray for them. I'm like, God, thank you for my brother in Christ, because I could not remember their name immediately. 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 God, thank you for this, this guy right here. And it just clicked that I was like, I, I am completely focused on performing this prayer for saying something great to the point where I don't even remember what their name is. Am I really, am I really listening? Nine days. No, I'm just kidding. I'm still not over it, but... We practice. We'll practice a little bit today. Um, One quick scripture. In Luke chapter 24, this is a story about two guys who are walking along. Um, They are more depressed and lonely feeling than they've ever been because Jesus was killed. And so they were following Jesus, their friends, disciples, brothers, and Jesus is killed, and even though he told them he was going to be raised to life three days later, they they haven't seen him resurrected yet, and so they're walking along the road, and they're just like, this sucks. He's gone. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Have you ever given up, like, a lot to go after something, and then it didn't work out? What are we going to do? It says, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing? So, these guys are sad walking along. I love this. Jesus like Jesus walks up along with them. They're like, who is this guy? Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know things that have happened there in these days? 
What things? He asked. What thing? What? What? What are you talking? What happened? Jesus is a bit of a troll sometimes. Why are you guys so sad? What happened? He's just waiting for the big reveal. It's me! One of the things that we can do uh, as actual good listeners, the way that Jesus listened to people and loved them by listening to them. Um, so Jesus is asking these. He already knows. He already knows the answers, but he wants to give them. He wants to give them a chance to to say what's going on and to say how they're feeling, say what they're going through. Um, a thing we can do is we can focus on being interested in people instead of being interesting that we could be interested in people rather than being interesting waiting on what how am I going to say a cool thing how am I going to talk about something that I have going on that's really like just focus on being interested one of the best tools that you can you can learn is to just ask questions A lot of us can talk a lot and think it was a good conversation, and then it turns out that it was just, it was just us, like, one-upping someone, waiting to respond, whatever. The best conversations, and the people who are the best conversationalists are the ones who are able to help other people open up. They're the ones who are able to be interested in other people. You can make somebody feel like the most interesting person in the room. And you know what that actually translates to? It's sexy. It's a sexy quality. If you're in that dating game uh, and you're, you're, you're trying to figure it out and what, why isn't this working or that working, make them the most interesting person in the room. Ask questions. Get them talking. Help them. Make it your goal to not be the one who's, who's the cool one. The word listen has the same exact letters as the word silent. Let awkward pauses happen. Hey, tell me, tell me your story. You know, that's one of the things that you can do. Um, here, here's a quick training. Because you're going to encounter certain crazy people here at this church. It's going to happen. I don't know. I love, I love it. I love this so much that out there in the lobby, it's like... Sometimes it's like the Star Wars bar scene out there. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God, what is happening in here? And somebody might come up to you and just say, and they might just start saying some stuff. And what do you do? You listen, you say, tell me, yeah, tell me your sto- what's your story? And here's the advanced level move. That doesn't mean you're locked into their whole life story. You know how you can... End it at a certain place. It's a little pro tip. You say, would I be able to pray for you right now? Man, that is, that's a lot. I would love to talk more, but would it be okay if I pray for you right now? Man, it works every time. <laughs> Sometimes people don't want you to fix something. They just want to be heard. My wife has told me that a couple hundred times. I'm like, what? Is there a... Oh. 
He's like, <laughs> I just want to tell you how I was feeling. I don't want you to do anything. Leave me alone. She doesn't say it like that. She's sweet. The last one is love with time. You can love people with time. Uh, Jesus was always going somewhere, but he was never in a hurry. He was all, always on his way to like a, a thing of biblical proportion, something that was huge, and yet he was never in a hurry. Somebody would come up and talk to him, and he would stop. It says Luke 5, one day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Man, I love that this dude actually, though, not in relationship poverty. He's got boys that will lower him in a basket. I like that. Luke 8 says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus zonked out. It says a squall came down on the lake and the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and it says, and it was all calm. And Jesus says, where's your faith? You ever wake somebody up like at a bad time? Where's your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Last, last scripture, I'm going to wrap up. Verse 40 of Luke chapter 8, it says, Now when Jesus returned, there was a crowd who welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Man, that's my daughter's age. And I can't even, I can't even imagine what I'd be willing to do to, to save that girl. A girl of about 12 was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been Subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And so he's flying through. He's trying to get through the crowd. He has this kind of cloak going behind him, and it's waving, and she scrambles up there to just get a feel of the edge of this. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Who touched me? 
when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like everybody, it's like a, everybody's bumping into, what do you mean? But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And they said, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, she's just asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Jesus is in a hurry to get to this girl. But there's another, there's another opportunity that presents itself that needs time. You might be in a hurry for certain things, but things are popping up that just need time. You can love people with time. What if you're the person in here that feels alone? Um, all I can tell you is that you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. That you found your way into this place for a reason. And we do care about you. I care about you. There are people that care about you. There are people that you're going to meet that end up caring about you a lot. So we just say keep coming back. Because no, no, like it's crazy even when I think about it, but that I love strangers who come in this place when I'm able to see them with eyes that God has given me. When I'm able to look at them and see the good in them, see the pain in them. And so you need to know if you're the lonely one that God cares about you, that you matter to him, that we care about you, that we love you, that we want you in our lives. With just being willing to uh, inconvenience yourself for something that they need. That's what all of us are being called to do all the time. If, if, if it drives you crazy when people get up and they're walking around because it's a distraction, get over it. Because our job is to be inconvenienced for the better of somebody else. You're, you're in a different category now. 
We'll have to talk after the service on that one. But just because I have to close up, okay? Thank you. Thank you. And that's the thing, too. I would love to talk to you more. We'll talk more. We'll just close with this. We're, we're pretty over on time. If you're, a, if you're a parent with kids in children's ministry, um, you need to go get them. Um, the, you just need to go get them. What I'm going to do right now, just real quick, because I had it in my head the last several days, is um, we're going to do just a real quick prayer exercise with someone to give a little bit of an example of how you could love somebody who's lonely. Is there anybody in the room who's lonely and brave? I'm talking to you later. I have things to talk to you about separately, okay? What's your name over here? Yeah. Sorry? Are, are you willing to be uh, an experiment? I'll give, you, I'll give you baseball cards. All I'm going to ask is that um, would, would you be willing to come up here to the stage and um, allow me to ask a couple questions and then pray for you real quick? If that's not cool, though, it's totally okay. Yeah, here, here you go. What, what was your name? Jackie. Jackie? Yes. I'm Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Thanks, for, thanks for coming. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So what do you want to talk about? No. So you raised your hand because I said, is anybody feeling lonely? I'm sure everybody does. I just raised my hand because I was being honest. And, and the more honest you can get, the better. You don't want to scare some people. You got to be, you got to find certain safe people sometimes. You don't just blurt all your stuff to just anyone. But man, when you can just be honest about it, uh, you end up finding out so many other people have the same kind of thing. Um, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Sure, yes. Uh, is it okay if I put a hand on you yes. to pray? Yes. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring her a friend. She's right over there. God, I just pray that you would bring community and what it really means. Um, you said in your word that it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for woman to be alone. We are not made to do this by ourselves. God, you showed us from the very beginning. It wasn't just, it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. You're a, you're a triune God, a God of community. And we just wither and kind of waste away without, without other people. And I'm just praying that you would bring hot coals, hot charcoals to surround her with that would help her to, to catch fire. We're just praying that you would bring um, new opportunities. Uh, the, the main thing I would pray for is that you would help to break her out of any ruts she's in, that she would try something different, that she would be given a new 
increase, an oomph in in courage, in um, just that that making an effort to connect with people in a different way, that maybe becoming the person who says hi first to somebody, just whatever it is that you would speak to her in the way that you speak to her. And give her a less lonely tomorrow than today. And we pray that you would remind her that she is your daughter, that she is not an orphan, that she was wanted so much so that you went and you died on a cross for her, that you didn't let her just be out there abandoned and alone. You said, I have a certificate of adoption for this girl. And that he wanted you. And that he still wants you. And that he says in his word that you are never alone, you're never abandoned. That you're never forsaken. But God, we pray that whatever rainy days there have been, that uh, we would just remember that those are the rainy days are the ones that grow the grass. And so we just pray for, for blessing and favor on her, that you would give her, um, you would give her that hug. You would let her know that you're there and not just you that you bring friends for the journey. Speak to her. Speak to her heart, to her mind. I pray you speak to her in whatever way it is that you normally talk to her. Just amplify it. Increase it. More of it. We pray against the spirit of um, of just uh, being a hermit. Pray against the spirit of um, being alone, of being a lone wolf. I pray that you would give her a new, um, I'm going to say a, a new, <laughs> a whole new group of people. A whole new group of people. Um, we don't have to pray this long. Normally I'm going too long-winded. You could do this real fast. God, we just pray for her to know that she is loved. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.